This is the Poetry in Motion podcast on the Blood Red channel with Neil Fitzmorris, bringing you all the big news and even bigger views on Liverpool FC. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Poetry in Motion. Subtitle, just wear a mask, will you? Uh, it is me, Neil Fitz, from the safety of my son's disgusting bedroom. I'll have to tell him after I finish this, he needs to clean it. Uh, joining me on the show today here are the two of the big hitters, of course. I ask for them every time. Every now and again, I get them, the dream team. But uh, they're obviously very, very busy. But I've got them this week. I'm really, really pleased. Dan Kay is here and Joe Rimmer also. Hello, guys. How are we? Good afternoon. Uh, how are you boys doing? You okay? Keeping safe? Yeah. Yeah, just about. Same, same old. Just about. And, uh, and, a, and a special message to everyone listening as well. First and foremost, as I always do, thank you once again for listening to Poetry in Motion and all of the Blood Red podcasts and also Ale La Rouge as well. We really appreciate your support. I hope you keep it safe and I hope listening to these shows uh, kind of gives you a bit of sanity while we're we're counting down the days to uh, to return to normality. Dan Case drinking from the biggest cup I've ever seen in my life. You could climb into that. Absolutely, I tried, particularly during the last few months. Looks like one of the episodes of The Borrowers. Right, listen, guys, let's get cracking with the Mighty Reds. Uh, Despite uh, an injury list that just keeps going and going and going, let's face it, boys, if somebody had said at this stage in the season with the injuries we had, that we would be uh, joint top of the league and also um, qualifying in first place with a game to spare in the Champions League, would have taken that, wouldn't we, Mr K? All day, absolutely. I think Liverpool deserve an awful lot of credit for how they've handled, you know, a really testing set of circumstances. There's been a lot said, there's been a lot written, been a lot of belly aching and cry arsing, you know, some of it from Liverpool support. But um, as you say, top, top of the Premier League, uh, you know, well, second on goal difference, but we play Tottenham in, I think, two weeks tonight, isn't it? And um, to qualify from, you know, top of the group, with a game to spare. I, I, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say, I think we might look back on last night as one of the most important results of Liverpool's season. Uh, you know, not, not just in a physical sense, obviously, because it does give them now the opportunity to, to rest some weary, weary bones ahead of the intense Christ, Christmas programme and this big game against Tottenham, which is you know, shoehorned into a midweek slot. But also just psychologically, you know, the clock said himself last night after the game, you know, there hasn't been an awful lot to smile about recently. Well, you know, and let's face it, Liverpool haven't lost many games in that time. But I think the bar has been set so high, the expectation level is so demanding that a lot of these things, you know, seemingly have weighed heavily on people. So to play the way they did, get the results they have done, I think you know we can look forward to you know the rest of this year and hopefully the rest of the season with a fair degree of optimism. Yeah, absolutely. Joe Dan's just summed it up. Any Liverpool's bar is raised so high now that. You know, if we don't win every game, it's it's it, it's almost it's almost you feel like you you, you feel let down because you haven't done it, and you've got to realise that the quality of this Liverpool side and the consistency of performance over the last three seasons, let's be honest with you, puts us in a position where we have to reevaluate and suddenly go. Actually, you know what? We're brilliant, and 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 this is about weathering a very stormy sea at the moment, uh, particularly with injuries. So last night, when you consider. Ajax was 17 games unbeaten uh, in, in, in the Champions League in away matches. They had 38 goals. I mean, this was a very, very decent side who knocked the ball around very, very well. And considering that we did have youngsters in there, uh, an exceptional performance, John. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I think you hit the nail in the head there where you're saying that I think the standards were raised that high last year. I think I saw in one of the games of the day that on commentary they said Liverpool were... I can't remember how many, four or seven points off where they were last year. And I thought, well, they won every game last year pretty much until they drew with United and then carried on winning. So, I mean, the bar was set that high last year. There was almost no chance that they could that they could keep up keep up that sort of pace. So I think we all need to realise, you know, the form Liverpool are still in is pretty good. So, you know, yeah, I mean, last night was a lot trickier than perhaps people would have thought on paper. Um, I think Ajax are always one of those teams where... You don't necessarily know many of their players until you play them and realise they're actually very good. And it's only, you know, you think about a couple of years back when they reached the Champions League semi-finals. I think at the start of that season, not many people would have been able to tell you about a Matthias De Ligt. But by the end of the season, once people had played them, people had knew, knew about their players. And 
know, that, that Ajax team last night had some good players. The forward, Anthony, um, looked very good. David Neres, who was, was in that Champions League, looked very good. Pair shares, I thought, at the back, looked very, very solid. So, you know, they've got some good players and they were scoring goals for fun, albeit in Holland, but they were still scoring goals for fun. And Liverpool had a very inexperienced team out, didn't they? But fair play, you know, I, I think, you know, I'm sure we'll get into the the, certain, the individual performances, but, you know, the the one the, the one I'd really like to highlight, I think Curtis Jones is playing, I've said it before, he's a 19-year-old lad playing like a 29-year-old player. I mean, he plays with such maturity. He doesn't, I mean... And I mean this in a good way. He doesn't have that raw element that often young players have where they just totally drift out the game. He gets on the ball. He takes responsibility. He moves it around. He makes the right decisions at the right times. And he gets goals as well. You know, I think um, he scored more goals at this stage of his career than Steven Gerrard had. And I'm not trying to compare the two, but, you know, I think that, that shows you how well he's done in the early goings of his Liverpool career. Um, massively, massively impressed with him. And, you know the maturity guys like him have shown been thrown into the, you know, into the fire quite early doors is 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 excellent and it really bodes well for Liverpool because if they do get through this period with all these injuries, they'll have one or two players who've made a name for themselves here and, and made themselves regulars in the squad who perhaps mightn't have done might they? You know, would we have known about Quiven Kelleher had this um had these injuries happened? Probably not. Would Curtis Jones have had many this many games? Certainly not. Even Nico Williams, he's had. Some, He's had some bad games and he's struggled at times, but you know it'll do him some good and he'll come through this. So, you know, lots, lots to be positive about Liverpool wise. Yeah, absolutely, Dan, and uh, and uh, as well, just to add to what Joe just said, Nico Williams, uh, they broke a record: the two youngest players to assist and score a goal in the Champions League, I believe. Um, but Curtis Jones, just to echo what Joe just said, I mean, there's being a confident player, there's being a strong player, but then there's being a player who picks up a position. Uh, um, naturally to be able to tap in a ball at the far post. I mean, this kid just knows the game, doesn't he? He knows how to read the game. He knows how to get himself in, into positions. And I think we're right to be very, very excited because like, like Joe said, this is, a, this is a young player, 19, who has sit in very much the same way that Trent did, bypassed that whole phase of, oh, blimey, should I be here? And instead went into the phase of, well, I belong here. You know, and it's an extraordinary thing. Again, Nico Williams, like Joe says, he's. we can see that he struggled a bit. He probably wouldn't be first on a team sheet if we weren't in the position we were in. But you get the feeling that um, Curtis Jones isn't too far away, although, of course, the midfield we have is a very talented one. But the kid just seems to have everything you need, Dan. He does. I mean, Joe used the word maturity there, and you know, I, I would 100% agree I've used that myself. I thought as well he should... He, not just last night, but in his performances this season, he's played quite a lot of games. He's shown a real discipline, I think, in what Klopp wants him to do in the midfield. I mean, we, you know, we've known about him for a couple of years now, haven't we? He had you know, a, a reputation when he was coming through the 18s and 19s and the, the 23s and you know, an attacking player with a bit of flair and obviously bags of confidence. But Klopp's wanted more from him than that. You know, and I think we've seen... It, Obviously, he's scoring goals. I mean, the finish last night was sublime. I actually kind of, I, th I think I kind of half looked away because it looked like the cross was going to be gathered easily. And I, I think I, I initially I, erroneously wrote in our blog, he headed it in. It was only actually when I noticed, when I saw it back, I, you know, it was this magnificent kind of just cushioned finish with the outside of his right boots. Obviously, he scored that phenomenal, never-to-be-forgotten goal <coughs> against Everton, you know, what, nearly 12 months ago in the FA Cup. So you know, he can score spectacular goals, but what I think he's really added to his game this season certainly is the nuts and bolts, the the, the dog's body work of mid of, of, of midfield, which isn't glamorous, which isn't particularly exciting, which isn't going to win you many awards, but is what is going to really win you the respect of your manager, your teammates, and I think you know the, the more discerning supporters. So you know, it, it it we we always love to see a scouser come through, but I think. I think I read somewhere he's the first player to score for Liverpool in the Champions League with the letters S C O U yeah. in his name, which I don't know if that's true, but I'd like to believe it's true. He's the only one that's done that. We all love to see a local lad coming through, but it can't just be there. He can't just be there on sentiments. He's justifying his position, and I think he, you know, at your Liverpool's mid Liverpool's midfield has taken a fair bit degree of criticism in recent years. 
And I think a little bit unfairly at times, particularly the last 18 months or so. But some of the key elements of that, the likes of Henderson, Wijnaldum, you know, are not certainly not finished, but, you know, they're coming towards the latter stages of their career. And I think Curtis is showing that now he has an awful lot in his locker. <clears throat> One of the reasons why so many of us love Wijnaldum is his versatility and the different roles he can perform within a midfield. And I think Curtis is already showing that he's got a lot of strings to his bow and will be a really valuable asset for his manager going forward. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I reiterate, the fact that he, he got on the end of that cross tells you a lot about about his his positivity as a player and the mm -hmm. fact he needs to get... I mean, that's a midfield player who's getting right to the edge of the, of the just almost, the, you know, the corner to flick in that goal. I hope, I do hope that the, the Ajax fans sing, oh, nah, nah, what's your name to that goalie? Because it's just praying... <laughs> It's sitting there and they're praying to be sang for him. Uh, he was a, he, a great goalie, a very unpredictable goalie, and and lost in the traffic in the headlights, wasn't he, for a moment for that goal? Thank God. We also have to mention that Curtis Jones rattled the post with an absolutely sublime hit as well. He is definitely one for the future. Some great performances last night. I thought Fabinho again is just you know considering that's not his position. He's being asked to step in uh, uh, and sort of bolster Matip as well was solid. But uh, Fabinho just does it. He, he, he just does that job for you, doesn't he? he? Doesn't let you down, Joe. Oh, he certainly does. He's um, he's one hell of a player, isn't he? I mean, I mean, it, it is crazy to think that he's not a natural centre half. The way he's played there, it's um, it's almost a problem in itself, isn't it? Because eventually, when such a day, hopefully, it comes where the, all the players get back, fit, he's going he's gonna to move back into midfield. And it's, you know, you'd like two of them, wouldn't you? You'd like a couple of Fabinho's, one for midfield and one for centre-half, because he's that good. You know, I, I must admit, like, I start thinking to myself, other than Van Dijk, is he Liverpool's second-best centre-half? <laughs> he possibly is. He possibly is. You know, he, he's he's good in the air. He's a great tackler. He's he's quick enough. He's no slouch, is he? And, and he passes the ball, you know, really nicely, firmly forward between the lines. So, yeah, I mean, he's just totally unfazed, isn't he? Um yeah, what a, what a player. I thought Matip, yeah, spot on. I thought Matip alongside him. Looks stronger than he used to, I think, Matip. He, mm. he used to me look a little bit, you know, tall and gangly. And, yeah, not perhaps yes. as strong. Now I think he seems to have, I don't know whether he's just been hitting the gym, but he certainly seems to be stronger. And perhaps it's just with Van Dyke being taken out of the equation, he's had to step up and become yeah. a stronger player in there. But I, but I certainly think he looks... He looks much better for it and um, better in the air, better in the ground. And yeah, pretty pleased with, with you know, the way, the way those players are defending. You couldn't really ask for more, could you, in the circumstances, considering, you know, Liverpool's first choice centre half pairing is out. So, um, you know, yeah, it, it, everyone. Very... Everyone. Doing very well. There was a moment last night, of course, when Andy Robinson went down and we had to the SSC put a strap on his ankle that we all thought, what in the name of God is going on here? Um you know, Nico Williams, he supplied the goalie and he's done some lovely touches. You do feel, though, that he's going to need a bit of cover because he is the one sort of avenue of uh, that you would imagine a lot of away managers coming to, to, to uh, oppose the managers coming to Anfield or indeed at their own grounds will say is a bit of a, uh, a channel and an avenue for their players to go down because he just feel at times as though he is stepping up. You can tell he is stepping up and he's and he's trying to fill a gap. Um but he's doing a great job so far. And I think we have the clientele around. I think we have the Fabinho's and I think we have the Matips who have enough in their locker to know that they can they can double back and make sure he's okay, Dan. Absolutely. I mean, I wanted to say, you know, in, in the last section just then, <clears throat> I was really, really delighted uh, for Nico last night. You know, some of the stick he's taken off so-called Liverpool supporters yeah. in recent yeah. times, these kind of self-styled internet experts who probably couldn't find Anfield on a map, let alone have ever been to a game. Is, is disgraceful, really. Um, you know, people have to remember, you know, a couple of things, really. A, he's 19. Yeah. Um, and also as well, well, three things, really. A, he's 19. B, he's replacing arguably the best right back in the world at the moment in Trent Alexander-Arnold. And let's not forget that Trent had his, had his iffy moments when he was first finding his feet in his first couple of seasons. And, you know, and still probably will do. That's the nature of the game. No, you know, no defender, however, they are, however good they are, is, is going to be error-free. Uh, and also as well, how what an important role in the Liverpool functionality of the team the fullback position plays. You know, we've talked yeah. you know a lot in recent months about how kind of like Trent's almost redefined it, 
And, you know, it, it's it's almost become like a centre midfield position. And for people just to expect Nico just to slot straight in and just be Trent like that, it's it's not going to happen. And it's, you know, it really annoyed me some of the some of the crap he's taken in recent times. So I was delighted, not, not just, obviously, he, he, he put a really good ball in for the goal, you know, with his left foot, cutting, you know, cut, cut back across, put a decent ball into the far post. There was one sublime piece of skill he did, I think, after that. I think it was, I think it stuck when he kind of killed the ball with his, you know, Coming over his head, turned and, and played it forward. I think but he that, actually he, he actually took it out of the air and, and flicked it at the same time. Right. So yeah, he, yeah, so yeah. he took he sort of reversed the, the ball over the player's head and turned. It was a beautiful. Was I mean, if that's funny. the kind of thing that if you'd have seen, you know, a world a world world class um, uh, uh, defender do, you wouldn't have been surprised. But then there's a young nineteen year old kid. Uh, it was brilliant. And I, 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 I'm, I'm pretty sure that that actually led to the possibly the best move of the game. That when when uh, for, uh, Salah and Firmino linked up and the goalkeeper made a good save and pushed it wide for the corner. So I mean, Klopp said after the game, you know, they had a long chat, and you know, and he Klopp said, you know, you, you come, on, we need a little bit more from you. That's a standard thing for young players, and they, you know, there are going to be peaks and troughs. So you know. We, we certainly saw more from him going forward, but I also thought defensively he was a lot more solid as well against a decent Ajax team who came. I mean, I have to say, last night I think was I can't think of a game I've enjoyed more this season mm. than the one last night. It, you know, both teams came to play. Uh, it was a really, it was a re, it was a really appealing fixture to watch, and you know, and Ajax caused us problems. You know, they were quick, they were strong, they were tricky. As you said before, they're they're, they're full of confidence. They've been banging goals in left, right and centre at home. And they kind of had a free hit last night, didn't they? Because they they knew that even if they lost, they still only need to beat Atalanta at home to go through. So they had no real fe- no real kind of restrictions on them. And they came and had a go. And, and I thought, I thought you know, Nico held up to that really, really well. I think it will do his confidence a lot of good. I mean, sometimes in... the in Because yeah, obviously he struggled at Brighton, gave away the penalty and was he was subbed at half time, wasn't he? And sometimes when the player gets put in the next week, you can kind of think, oh well, that's that's a show of confidence from the manager. That now, it may it may have been, it may not have been. I mean, the reality is, I don't think there were many other options of people who could have played right right back last night because you know Milner's out, Gomez is out, obviously Trent's out. So maybe it was more to kind of necessity than invention. But I, I think last night will do Nico the world of good. Obviously, you know the, the Curtis, the match winner, and the goalkeeper, you know who's. You know, we haven't spoken much about him. I thought he gave an excellent performance, not just his obviously a great save towards the end. Is he was his, his composure, his assuredness on the ball, particularly bearing in mind, you know, most of the, the main back four was out. I think he really settled things down. And it'll be really interesting to see what happens at the weekend now. Does he, you know, does he stay in um while Allison's out, which we believe is going to be for a week or two? It's a it's a it's a difficult one for Klopp, but Speaking personally, I would like to see him stay. Nothing against Adrian, who's done his best, but I, I think Kevin at the moment is is the answer for us, and he, and he needs needs to be able to build on you know the positive foundations he put down last night. Yeah, no, absolutely. It would be it would feel like a bit of a backward step now, Joe, wouldn't it, to 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 keep Quiven out and put Adrian back in after what he did? I mean, you know, one of the one of the messages of a goalkeeper is to be able to watch the game, but have their moments in that game when you're called upon. Uh, to do the right thing, he saved a couple of nice uh, shots, but the Huntelaar header uh, was point blank with with, and it was fierce, and that was a great stop. It was a stop of great maturity, Joe. Absolutely, I, I think he looked he looked strong, didn't he? he? Looked very filled out, and like every save he did make went in the directions he wanted it. You know whether you know he made that really you know eye catching one with his left hand, then he pushed it over the bar, but again strong hand to it, got down low to one, which I thought was a really good save. Mm-hmm. That, Perhaps people um, forget yeah. about a bit where he got down to one, made a good save again, strong hand. And, and that Huntelaar one, you know, a lot of goalkeepers would have let that through them, wouldn't they? Yeah. So to get to get a really strong hand and get it up and over the bar, it was it was really... Um, I mean, when that cross came in and he made contact, I thought it was a goal all day because I just mm. thought from that range, you know, you you have to be very, very good to keep it out. And he, and he did. And to keep his concentration... Um, and his kicking was 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 excellent. He, he does really look at you know again. It's one game. Let's not carry the way. But he, he looked good at MK Dons the other year when he played. And I don't know. He just looks. He looks confident, doesn't he? He, he never looked phased. He, he almost looked like it was a bit of a hassle to be out there at times. His, his face just looked like, you know, I've got I've got to do this another day at the office. But um, but he was great. You know, 
he just looks so stoic, didn't he? You know, like like if he got Ivan Drago grew his hair out, just just his face <laughs> all the time was just like that. And I and I, I was just really really impressed by him. I, I thought he was great, and I don't think putting Adrian back in who doesn't look as assured as himself, um, especially after recent mistakes, would work. Now I don't think you want to mess around. I think he you know quite literally grasped his chance, didn't he? So you know. Let him let him stay in and let him build his confidence. He looks like he's grown a beard, so he can get in the pubs, doesn't he? Because he, he's just <laughs> a, he's like a fourteen year old with a beard. Um, but I tell you one thing as well: we have to we have to 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 mention that actually just makes his performance even stronger. It was the fact that he picked the ball out of there seven times in the under twenty threes against City uh, at four days earlier. I mean, you know, you're you're letting seven goals in and then going, oh, by the way, you're playing in in a really important Champions League match in about four days' time. Is is extraordinary and, and and his testament to just how much he did stand up to it, Dan. Because you know that he he must have gone in there terrified. I mean, we as fans are watching Liverpool, but it, it's easy. And and again, it goes back to what you say about people getting on Nico's back. You know, with the success Liverpool have got and how good Liverpool play now, it breeds these people with no patience whatsoever, doesn't it? It breeds these fans who are saying, "We want it now. We want to keep on doing it. It's not good enough for what you've done. We've got to keep going, keep going, keep going." So for him to step onto that pitch, you know, he must have been going through all sorts of emotions and 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 handled it with with a lot of maturity. He did. I mean, I think that that ties into um, you know his his own character, his own mental strength. I thought his interview after the game was quite telling, when he basically said, you know, yeah, I made a couple of saves and I was delighted to make the debut in the Champions League. But at the end of the day, that's what I'm that's what I'm here to do to keep the ball out the back of the net. And I thought it's particularly telling when he said. Um, yeah, you know, but he was asked about you know obviously the, the, the other young players, Curtis and Nico, and that, and he said basically worse the effect for well we're not just here to make up the numbers, you know we're, we're here to to come in and help the team, and I think he actually said you know and here and, and we have actually improved the team in in, in mm. certain areas. I'm sure he used the word improved, which was quite a bold thing to say for you know when he's he's just come in and replaced arguably the world's number one goalkeeper in Alison Becker, um, but you. <laughs> This is what you need from from in in the way the game is now. You need players that have that mental fortitude. Over over the years, we've seen very very talented footballers who weren't able to handle setbacks and who were mentally fragile. And if something went wrong, their head would disappear at the backside, and, and they just they wouldn't be able to pull themselves out of the trough. You know, Kelleher will have some bad games. I'm sure he will let some soft goals in. That is part of football. That's part of life. And it's how you have it's it's how you deal with the setbacks that really determines you know how far you're going to go in, in your chosen profession but you know I, I, i'd agree what what joe says as well you know you could tell from the players around him that in in, the, in that first half at brighton when when nico was struggling you could tell that you know at times the players were a little bit reluctant to involve them sometimes because yeah. he used them through a bit of a bad time thankfully that wasn't the case last night but you wonder if that's been the case a little bit sometimes with adrian you know when he's been you know when un- uncertainty and indecision can be can be contagious sometimes, and I think you know, we've seen that a little bit with Al, with with Adrian and some other players in the past. But you know, Kevin Kelleher came in, stood tall, looked like he fancied it, looked like he was ready, and that kind of confidence and self assuredness spread throughout the rest of the back line, which obviously again was makeshift. It's only really Robertson there who's the who's a member of the, the regular back five, and I think. It, you know, I, it, it, to me, it would make no sense, and, and I, I do feel a bit for Adrian. Do you know what I mean? Because he's done his best for Liverpool, and unfortunately, you know, he's always going to be associated, I think, with the, with that Atletico game. But you know, it shouldn't be forgotten. He won us the Super Cup. If he doesn't yeah. pull on the shirt again, he's played. He, and also, you know, he, he played what seven or eight, nine, ten league games last season, mo- most of which Liverpool won. So he was part of the team that, that you know that helped us end that thirty-year wait for a league title. But Keller is the future, and I think you know. In my eyes, he is now Liverpool's number two goalkeeper. Yeah, absolutely. Do you mind if I just say, you know, just to pick up a point Dan made there, you know, you said about uh, Nico Williams at Brighton and perhaps players not not involving him as much because he was struggling a little bit. I thought it was telling last night with Henderson, who didn't play with, he came on for Williams, didn't he, at half-time at Brighton. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could, you could hear him talking, Nico Williams, through the game. And I thought it was just another example of the little things that perhaps... You know, when you strip away the fans and you can hear, it's good to, to, to know. But, you know, people probably didn't pick up on about Henderson, but that captain's attitude and mentality of getting a hold of Williams 
and knowing that perhaps he was going through a bad patch and taking a bit of responsibility and talking him through the game. And you could hear him constantly, you know, praising him when he did things well, telling him to do things and asking him for the ball. And, and you know, I, I think anyone who's ever played any football at any level knows that if someone, you know, with more experience speaks to you like that, it, it just helps you, helps you a lot. So I thought that was brilliant from Henderson. And I think it shouldn't go unnoticed. Poetry in Motion on the Blood Red Channel. No, absolutely right, mate. And I have to say, you know, it wasn't this long ago, it wasn't that long ago doing these podcasts that I was one of these people saying, look, Henderson isn't a captain. Give the captain's armband to Van Dyke because Van Dyke is a leader. Henderson doesn't have that voice around the pitch. Now, I would stand by the fact that at the time I didn't think he did, but I will be the first to turn around now and say, that man is a captain and a half. He's gone beyond captain. He's an extraordinary footballer. And I think a lot of it is down to his own self-personal growth as well. I think he's realised... Uh, that he has to step up. And then times when he was subbed and he came on, uh, was it against Southampton he came on? And who was it he came on late yeah, against? Southampton away yeah. when Southampton. But he scored. And, he, yeah. and I think he's gone through his personal battles and I think he's come out of it. He's an extraordinary player. And he's one of them ones now that you want first on that team list because like Joe's just said, the way he talks, there's that lovely bit of, uh, his his shouting has been has been singled out in a football game, hasn't it? And you can hear it on, on social media and the way he's shouting people, great pass, great ball. He's constant. And you can see, you can see the influence he has now on that Liverpool team. Remarkable, remarkable player. I'm glad you brought that up, Joe. Thank you very much, pal. Just to say about, we were talking about Liverpool players, and, and you did mention at the start, Joe, but someone I, I would like to, to, to pinpoint a little about with regards to last night's game. We're talking about buying, um, um, centre centre backs uh, to, to you know I'm talking about the cooler barleys of the world and stuff but in 21 years of age Per Shores here's someone that Liverpool have been looking at and boy he's a player isn't he I mean he's he's rapid he made he made um, he made Mane look positively slow Dan well, he did. He did at times. I was impressed with him. There was one point I do remember. I think when he got booked, when Mane just had him off on the wing, just went past him, and yeah, and, you know, but maybe Mane realised that he had kind of had to lift lift his game. It kind of been an easy night for him, sure. I don't think because obviously there's been a lot of, particularly in the last week or so, week you know, week week to ten days. It seems like the you know the the kind of the 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 rumor mill linking with it with a move to Anfield was really kind of cranked up a little bit. So he was, I think he knew there was going to be a lot of eyes on him last night. Uh, he, you know, I, just, I can't pretend to know an awful lot about him. To be honest, I probably couldn't even have told you his name ten days ago or picked him out of a lineup. But obviously, like everybody else, I you know I was watching with interest last night, and he looks a very decent player. You know, Ajax have a wonderful reputation. You know, the the, the whole kind of ethos of the club is built on building and nurturing young talent. And he looks like one of the latest ones off the conveyor belt. And, you know, obviously a decision will have to be made in January, you know, whether Liverpool are going to go into the market. You know, there were some noises coming out of the club a couple of weeks ago that they are going to try and muddle through and they might not buy in January. But to be honest, I wouldn't, you know, I'd expect to, you know, I'd expect them to try and pour cold water on it at the moment. They're not going to come out and say, yeah, we're desperate no. to defender in January, are they? You know what I mean? That'd be bonkers to do that because you just asking to get the prices cranked up. But I think he is definitely someone that will be in the conversation um, because, you know, we know we're, we're not going to be seeing Van Dijk or Gomez until, you know, well into the spring, if we're lucky, and it might well be next season. So we are a centre-back short. That is the reality. They, didn't, they did not replace Lovren. Fabinho's doing an excellent job. You know, I, I would, you know, a degree, he's, he's certainly probably as good as Matt. I've, well, I've, I've said I've got a lot, a, lot of, a lot of time for Joel Matip. I, I saw my arse with him years ago. Remember that 4-1 game at Tottenham when Harry Kane ran us ragged and I was fuming after that and didn't ever want to see him in Liverpool shirt again. And I, 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 I've got a lot of respect for the way Matip's kind of revitalised his Liverpool career. <clears throat> I, I think his passing's underrated as well. I think, you know, I think he's really good at these kind of like long balls out to the wing and he's quite more perceptive when he's passing than, than people realise. But his injury record speaks for itself. And, you know, having... You know, there's a bit of a light at the end of the tunnel, isn't there? We're into December. If we can get through this Christmas programme and get into New Year, some players will be coming back and there's a chance to bolster the squad. So the, the club have to make a decision. Do they get a loan? Do they want to spend big money? Do they want to bring in you know, a more experienced player? Because obviously Gomez is quite young. Um, 
I think it probably will make sense to maybe go for a younger defender because Van Dijk and Matt are massive are probably closer to thirty, aren't they, than twenty? Yeah. So, so maybe if if the money is right, and obviously that's the we said the sixty four thousand dollar or euro question, then I would be perfectly happy to see see someone like Persher's Shures come in, and you know I think I think he showed last night that you know he would be he could be a really valuable asset for Liverpool. Yeah, and he seems more like the remit that Liverpool go for, Joe, isn't he? He's young, 21 years of age. They don't really want to. They want people like most do now with the sell-on. Uh, David Alaba's talking. Well, there are there are ridiculous figures getting thrown around the place with Chelsea involved, uh, interested in him. He's, they're talking about 15 million a year, which, which works out to probably about 300 grand a week. That's not a Liverpool thing. We know that. Um, so, Pershaw's also one of that. Ben White has also been chucked in. He was solid at the... Um, and has been for Brighton, and you know he's he's clearly a good young prospect as well. But Peshaw seems to tick the boxes that Liverpool go for, Joe, don't they? When they want to when they want to recruit, definitely. I think I, I think they'd be tempted for a Ben White if it wasn't for the fact that we we know full well that the price tag will there'll be an extra twenty million on it. Won't they? You know, I think Leeds bid about thirty five million for him, didn't they? In in, in the, the summer, he'd been on loan with them in the Championship. They were desperate to keep him. Brighton said no. I can't imagine Brighton letting Liverpool have him for any less than 40, 50 million. You know what you know what prices are like these days. Maguire went for, for a hell of a lot of money than 80 million. So I think there's that's the benchmark now for English players. So I think that might scupper any thoughts about Ben White. But you know, I think per shares again, like Dan, I can't sit here and pretend that I've seen lots of him. You know, I've seen him in a couple of games and Kept a close eye on him last night. I thought he looked very strong, physically pretty good, quite quick. Uh, better in the air than I've been led to believe. I thought it, you know, he looked quite solid. And yeah, he looks a decent player. The other one is that um, Umpacano, Umpacano, uh, yeah. the Frenchman. Um, and I think he might have a buyout clause, which I think you never know with Liverpool's links with Leipzig. And I don't know whether it's like just a case of putting two and two together and, and making four, but. He seems like one that they could possibly look at. But, you know, you're right. I think they're going to look for someone under the age of about 24 and, you know, someone with a higher ceiling. So it'd be interesting to see what they go for. And, uh, yeah, I, I agree with Dan. I don't think Liverpool are going to make any noises now to say that they're going to sign a centre-half. It's not just about the price tags. But I also don't think, you know, you're going to have to get through the next few weeks with Nat Phillips, with Reese Williams, you know, with Fabinho and, and, and Massive. What does it say to them if Liverpool are telling everyone that wants to listen, yeah, we're desperate for a centre-half. So, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if Liverpool go out and buy someone in January, though, because I just think it's too much of a risk now to try and get through till the summer and stay in contention. Um, and I do think, look, you know, I, I always back Liverpool and, you know, quite often I found myself arguing with people on, online about Liverpool's transfer policy. I thought, you know, when they decided to walk away from Werner in the summer, um, you know, I I said then, you know, you've got to back them. They they tend to get things right. And I think with Jota, they've shown that they did the right thing. But I think with centre-half, I do think this is where they've erred a little bit. You know, that, as Dan said before, I think Klopp said in an interview, I can't predict these things. I can't buy a, a solution for a problem that doesn't yet exist. But, see, I'd argue that surely for a club the size of Liverpool and for a club as clever in recruitment as Liverpool... They must have looked at Matip and seen the amount of games he misses. And he just misses too many. Lovren missed a lot. And then when they let him go, you know, and you're down to Matip, he misses a lot of games. So slightly frustrated that perhaps they didn't think about it. But look, you know, we don't know what goes on behind the scenes. It would be it'd be wrong to sort of be too critical of them because they get everything else right, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. And and hopefully with which is what they did with the Fabinho and the Jotters of the world is they do a nice little quiet under the radar deal and something comes in. But I think you're right, these games are, are coming thick and fast and they ain't gonna they ain't gonna thin out anytime soon. So if there's one thing that, that this ridiculous injury list has shown is now we know the news as well, Tiago ain't gonna be back. Um first of all when I heard about it, I thought it was for the season, but obviously it's the year, but of course, you know, we're nearly at the end of the year, so we're looking at probably another month before Thiago um, features and we're all desperate to see him. And all these injuries tell us one thing, and that is that you cannot predict. You know, we haven't got a crystal ball, but what you need to do is you definitely need to to legislate for, for, 
for the the virtually impossible happening, which is what seems to be happening to us. Every time a Liverpool player goes down, I think every Liverpool fan watching just your heart in your mouth. You know, Mane did last night. Oh God, a few that Robbo did, and then you're thinking, oh. Is, it, is this going to be the end of them? It's, it's, it's been ridiculous. Anyway, we shall move forward. As we do, we are joint top of the league. We are second on goal difference. Sunday, we've got a few days off now, at least uh, to, to recuperate as much as they possibly can. 2,000 fans back in, Dan, on Sunday. Yeah, it's fantastic news. It's a step in the right direction. It's a step in the right direction. It's going to be a strange one, isn't it? Uh, I mean, there's some great caveats have come with this that are going to be totally ignored. Let's be honest with you. Can't celebrate a goal. Can't do this. Can't do that. They've been trying to get them to sit down in the cop for about five years, so there's not much <laughs> chance they're going to get them to not cheer if we score. But it's uh, it's going to be a big occasion, Dan. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's not quite true, is it, that, that there's no singing and no... I think I think... Adam Jones wrote a piece the other day basically dispelling the myth. I think what they've said is, you know, be sensible in your celebrations. I, I, I'm assuming everyone's going to have to wear a mask and you basically just don't be slobbering all over each other where when Liverpool score the 10th or whatever it is. Um, <laughs> it, it is. It is going to be strange. I mean, to be perfectly honest, I've had a season ticket for nearly 20 years. I didn't put in for the ballot for this in the end. I, I thought about it and I just kind of, obviously I'm, I'm, I'm keen to get back to the match, but the, Having spoken to some of our reporters who've been to a lot of these games behind closed doors, once the initial novelty of you know football being back in June kind of wore off, a lot of them have been quite clear that it is it's quite a soulless, dispiriting experience. Now, you know, and you know, two thousand in a, you know two thousand in Prenton Park might be different. Two thousand in Anfield, you're still going to be kind of swimming around there. So I, I think also, also as well the timing of it, Sunday 7 o'clock. If it had been a Saturday 12.30, I might have been more inclined to put in. There's also the thing as well, I think, if you if you get in one of these ballots, basically you can't, you're not eligible for another one until any of everyone else who's eligible, eligible has had a go. So I'm, I'm keeping my powder dry a little bit. But, you know, I, I think, you know, our old pal James Pearce tweeted after the game last night, let's hope this is the, this is the last ever game played at Anfield with no fans there. And I think that's something we would all agree yeah. all agree with. I think you know, for the players and the manager as well, I think they deserve an awful lot of credit for how they've kept their professionalism and kept their drive and their intensity going as much as they can in these, you know, unprecedented and unimaginable circumstances. Um, and it's you know it'll it'll be a historic occasion, won't it? You it'd be two thousand lucky people will, will be back in Anfield. Um, I think they've already started to take some of the banners down off the cop. There's going to be some fans on the cop and some in the main stand. Obviously, there's been the good news today about you know uh, regarding a vaccine that you know obviously we're not counting our chickens yet, but again that feels very positive. And hopefully, two thousand will become four thousand. You know, and the numbers will rise. Hopefully, not too far into the new year. It, it, it would be lovely to think, wouldn't it, that you know by the time the clocks go back and the nights are getting lighter, and, and obviously you're getting to the business end of the season that we could be, you know, if not a full Anfield, then half or three quarters full, because that's where I've got my heart set on. You know, it's it's, it's reached the point now where, and listen, I'm, I'll generally be someone who'd watch any game of football anywhere. I've, I've, I've turned a lot of matches off recently because I just find it kind of quite depressing and soul-destroying just seeing all these empty stands. So seeing some, you know, I'm a big cricket fan. I've been watching some of the cricket from Australia in, in recent days and seeing fans in a, in a stadium there, made me feel really happy, you know what I mean? And, and hopefully that's something that we're going to see more of in the coming weeks and months. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's right. I mean, but I, I, it has made a monumental difference, Joe, hasn't it, to the way these football matches are being played? And, and I think, and I've said this before, I feel like it's been... It's been a bit of a, a leveler in a sense that some of the some of the some of the lower teams in in in, in terms of quality of player have have benefits benefited from not having uh, fan pressure on them, which is why I think, in my opinion, you're getting these weird results like Fulham beating Arsenal and you know Leicester going down and and, and getting beaten and, and all these kind of topsy turvy kind of results. I feel are down to the lack of fans, and I think that. Um, it will be a great start, even though it is only 2,000, but it's a, it'll be something, I think, that it might create a little bit of nerves in the teams again, and that's not a bad thing, John. Absolutely. It's a step in the right direction, isn't it? I've got to be honest, I've got to go along with Dan. And I, I don't really enjoy the football at the moment. I enjoy, you know, at the end of the day, it's football, you stick it on, you watch it. But I'm, I must admit, I mean, I thought Saturday was probably 
as much as I've, I've not enjoyed a game that Liverpool have played in a long time. And it was a draw, it wasn't a defeat, but the, the lack of fans coupled with VAR just, yeah. it just killed it. I just, I was already getting a bit frustrated. And then, you know, there's there's no atmosphere. The game's dead. There's injuries galore. You know, the Liverpool are having to play with, you know, a, a scratch team. And then, other on top of that, VAR was just making an absolute nonsense of it all. It's killing it, isn't it? It's killing it. It was it, it just totally killed the, any enjoyment of the game. And I thought without fans, the one thing you could do is at least just enjoy the football for what it is. But I think VAR's not even allowing us to do that. You know, like I'm not being funny. I, I, I you know, I don't want to go on and on about it because I feel like I've done a lot of pods, but I just think that it for me. The, the stare at penalties over and over again to make decisions, which let's face it, can still go either way. You know, I think, you know, the, the one at the weekend, personally, I thought it was a penalty. You know, I thought he caught his foot, but you know, I think it's so subjective. A lot of people didn't, a lot of people did. I don't see the point in really going to the camera and watching it again when it's not that clear. And then the offside, just like, I'm just not convinced that you can that you can seriously look at the Salah one on Saturday or the, the, the Mane one, uh, with Henderson's goal, but Mane offside in the derby and be 100% sure that either of them are offside. And for, for the small margins that they're, they're looking at, it's it's not worth it. And it's just ruining it. It's just ruining it. You know, every time a goal goes in now, you go, go, let's hang around and just see what yeah, happens. That's, that's the real killer. I've been... I, I'm... What makes it worse, Joe, is that I watch the footy a lot of the time with my kids, and and, it, and I can see what it's doing to them. Because they must be confused. They must be confused. They, just, they don't know. You're just sitting there waiting for some idiot in in a, in a, in, a, in a transit van down the road to decide whether it's a goal or not. And, and the the problem is as well this whole idea of the the goal the, the referee now going to the monitor. Well, that's fine, but not when he's going to be showing it in slow motion. Because what? Who's ever going to win an argument in slow motion? Yeah. In slow motion, yeah. you can make the most ridiculous, innocuous tackle look terrible. Dan? Yeah. I think the other point about going to the monitor as well, which initially, you know, initially we were told they were going to do that and they didn't. And, and when they started doing it, I was, I was pleased. But I don't, basically, every time they go to the monitor now, they basically go with whatever they've been told in their ear. Yeah. And until referees start having the conviction, the courage of the convictions to say, all right, I've looked at it again, but I think it was right. It's an absolute cosmetic, futile, pointless exercise. Um, you know, I, I'd agree with what, what Joe said about the Brighton game. It, it was kind of soul-destroying a little bit on Saturday. And it's probably the, the, the cumulative effect of you know, what, mm. we've, what we've been through as fans in, in recent months. I think that's one of the reasons why... Um, I, you know, I think one of the other games I've enjoyed more than as much as any other this season was Marine on on, on Sunday afternoon, because it just reminded you of the joy and um, um, Joe's going to love this because we all know what a huge fan of the FA Cup is. <laughs> but 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 the, the beauty of football at its best. You know, it, football in recent times, you know, in the last couple of months, has seemed a bit joyless almost, yeah. going through the motions, the pressure that you know, Liverpool. So our, our fan base is so demanding at times. You've got to win every game. I was chatting to someone after uh, on, on Sunday. You know, Liverpool had the temerity not to win two games in a row. How dare they? You know what I mean? Mm. You know, spoil brat some of our fans. And I'm, I'm sorry, but you know that, that that that's how we see it. Um, did you, one other point I'd like to make about VAR. You know, it, it's clearly I'm, I'm not against it in principle, but it's clearly not being used properly. No. And you know the whole the whole point was not to re-referee the game, as we've said before. You know it, it should be for clear and obvious errors. If you're having to watch it back forty times over five minutes, it's clearly not clear and obvious. But the other point about these really marginal decisions I mentioned before about cricket, I've, I've always loved cricket. Now, and, and that is a sport that's used technology really well, basically over the last fifteen to twenty years, and it's evolved as well. It's not just being brought in and stayed the same. It's evolved and changed and been optimized and improved. And one of the things that they do for these marginal calls is, is they have what's basically called umpire's call. So, they, so an umpire will make, will make a decision. Now, and one, when they watch it back, if, if it's within a certain parameter, if it's so close to be as near as damn it, they basically say, right, well, we go with what the original decision was. And, and I think any cricket fan will tell you that that is, it, that is a good system. It's a fair yeah. system. But you don't the only thing I would... No one expects perfection. The only thing I'd say about cricket is it is a slower game, isn't it? Yeah. And like, I, you know, the, 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 yeah, I, I just think, you know, I, I kind of get it for offsides. It's, it's a frustration. Whereas 
I understand that, you know, you they've got to draw the line quite literally somewhere, haven't they, with offside? Mm-hmm. But to me, you know, looking for a hairline or, or you know a hand or whatever, it's it's too much, and it and it's not the offside rule wasn't designed for someone to be offside by a finger. It's designed no. to stop someone goal hanging, essentially, wasn't it? it it's so, it was this. It's about gaining advantage, and whether you gain advantage or not with the position you're in, you know, Bamford getting a goal disallowed not long ago because he was pointing to where he wanted the ball is not gaining advantage. No. Salah and Mane, they're not them. Those offsides are not gaining advantage. They're literally level. They're anatomically level with the players, with the defenders. That's not offside. That's not offside. It's about then their ability to get ahead and score the goal. It's taking all of that away from them, John. Yeah, well, it certainly is. And, and it, uh, see, I think, uh, I've said it before, a couple of pods, and people, anyone listening to the pods probably sick of me saying it, but I do think we kind of only have ourselves to blame in a way because we, I think football got so bad at policing abuse towards referees and and this 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 expectation of every game that referees have to be somehow perfect and spot everything and if they didn't we start you know like they talk now don't they you see like match of the day and they say oh we're sick sick of talking about var but two years ago they were talking about referees so i don't think it's changed that bit that massively it's just that they is like an extra level level of officiating the game which is ruining the, the game it's just it's not fun it's slow it's just killing the, the great thing about football at its very best is it's fast, isn't it? It's a fast sport that you know that is emotional. It's a roller coaster. Yeah, and, yeah, and, we're, and we're slowing it right now. Yeah. Look, I, is, I, don't, I, mean, I don't like cricket, and I don't like cricket because it's. I think it's slow. It's just not my cup of tea. And I don't, I don't like the football is slowing right down so that we can yeah. look at screens and we all stop and. It's just that's just my opinion, but I, I I don't I don't enjoy it. I thought you were singing a ten CC song then. Um, I I totally agree with you, and I think the fact of the matter is it's the it's about the pace of the game, and it's about that, and 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 once it starts ruining uh, the pace of a football of a game of a sport, that's when it needs to step back because it, it, it there's one thing to try and police it and there's another thing to stop the flow of it, and and that's what it's doing. Listen, let's 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 just wind things up. Briefly, uh, for the 2,000 fans who were lucky in the ballot and get your tickets, if any of you are listening to this, you probably know this already, but I just wanted to give you a little caveat. Photo ID. You will have to. You will also have to fill out a, a, a declaration of health uh, 24 hours before. Make sure you know this, and if you have listened to it and you, uh, and you know someone who's going, pass it on to them, because I'd hate for them to get all the way to Anfield without a photo ID. We won't get in. A photo ID, driver's license in your wallet or whatever, and you're fine. So just in case you didn't know that, and if you do know that and you know someone who's got one, pass it on for the past in for one. Because for 2,000 people, you know, you don't want any of them not getting in because of a silly little thing like that. Uh, Marine in the FA Cup is brilliant. We've got Villa away. Um, but it is great, isn't it, for the club? Like, But it's such a shame that the revenue that they wanted to get from, from, from ticket sales is not going to be part of it, Dan. Yeah, uh, I mean, there's been talk today, hasn't it, that yeah, they may end up having to play it at Prenton Park or Anfield. Um, yeah. yeah, it would be. I don't, I don't think that will. I don't think that would be the case. By the way, really? I don't think that would be the case. Yeah. Speaking, of, hopefully, speaking to someone with a Marine tonight, and I don't. I think they're confident they'd be able to have it there. Good. You know, don't it, quote it, me on it, that just yet. Again, one of one of the fabulous aspects of watching it on Sunday afternoon was these people all watching it in the back gardens with a little bevy and a bite to eat. And, yeah. you know, if anyone who, who's who, who's played grassroots football, who's, who, I, mean, I think I've, I have, I've, I've followed Tramit a bit off and on for years, but I've been to Marine years and years and years ago. And, you know, that is the heartbeat of football. And, you know, people may laugh and sneer and joke about the magic of the FA Cup, not looking at anyone here, Joe. But <laughs> in, 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 this, in, in this season, arguably more than any other, after, you know, after, you know, after what, clubs particularly at lower level their whole future is in jeopardy to have a moment like that and and yeah. it was you know with 119th minute winner and it again like you when the goal went in just for a split second i thought oh they're not going to var it are they and then i remember they haven't got it in the effort they haven't yeah. got it it wouldn't have stood otherwise probably probably not no but it it, it, it was a, it was a fabulous moment you know couldn't have been more delighted for them and then obviously to get an absolute plum draw like these did tottenham at home you know the idea of seeing Jose Mourinho on the touchline at College Road. Um, you know, but that that to me is the essence of football. And you know, particularly like Saturday, really, not just because Liverpool didn't win. You know, I'm not you know, one of these expressible to win every bloody match, but just the way it had gone, the injuries, the VAR, blah blah blah. 
Sunday afternoon was a, was a very, very welcome reminder about what a fantastic game football can be, um, which, you know, it's easy to lose sight of sometimes. So, you know, it, it's it, it's a lousy draw for Liverpool Villa away, you know, under, under the circumstances. And it's 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 a shame, really, that, you know, I, I personally, I've always loved the FA Cup. I've got my reasons. When I was growing up in the 80s, when the clubs weren't in Europe, the FA Cup was everything. It was huge. Fits you, you know, you, you, of course, would remember it well. I understand where Klopp's coming from, particularly in this season. Liverpool do have to prioritise the league and, and the Champions League. Um, but I'm, I'm thr- thrilled for Marine and also for Tranmere, who who have been on the game. I think yeah. they won the seventh consecutive game last night, having sat the manager. And they've got a decent little draw away at Barnes. I think it was away to Barnsley. Um, so, yeah, it, it's, it, it, it would be lovely if Marine could somehow get through and then get themselves another Merseyside derby against Everton. <laughs> well, it is all. Listen, it is all. It is all fantasy. But at the same time, that's what the FA Cup is. I am an exponent of it because because it's a generational thing, and it was very much something that I used to watch with my dad and stuff. And 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 I believe it to be a great. I believe it to be a great domestic uh, cup. So you know, but it's not up to me. Um, uh, I was going to just make a point then, and I've completely forgotten what point I was going to make. It, it doesn't really matter. Look, at the end of the day, thank you very much, guys. Much appreciated. Um, uh, stay safe. Uh, we have got, of course. Sorry, we have got Sunday. I was going to give you the next, uh, the next six of uh, Liverpool's fixtures. Uh, we have uh, Wolves, of course, Sunday quarter past seven kickoff. Um, Midland, uh, five to six kickoff. The kickoffs are amazing, but it's it's always good to watch them games. If nothing else, because Steve McManaman teaches you how to talk proper posh Liverpool, doesn't he? <laughs> because without without his way of talking and saying ing on the end of everything, uh, we wouldn't know how to speak proper like we do. I once heard someone describe him as like, he talks he talk like when your nan answers the phone and she's trying to be boss. <laughs> I spoke to him for a BT Sport thing on Monday and he was dead sound. So I Yeah, no, fair enough. No, but it just made me laugh though. He does sound like one of the scullery boys from Downton Abbey, don't he? He's just got a job. <laughs> Hello, madam. Uh, but anyway, uh, we then have Fulham away. Uh, Tottenham, the big game Tottenham Wednesday, of course. That is an eight o'clock kickoff and Crystal Palace as well. Guys, thank you once again. It's been a great pod. Appreciate it, Dan. Appreciate it, Joe. Uh, onwards and upwards with the Reds. We'll yeah. weather through this as we always do. And uh, we'll catch you on the next Poetry in Motion. Thanks, guys. You've been listening to the Poetry in Motion podcast on the Blood Red channel. <laughs>